Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast. I'm Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter. Joined as always by the Igor to my Dr. Frankenstein, Brandon. Well, hello. <laughs> Did Brandon, you get that movie I, I reference? Do, I, do, I do get that reference. I'll I'll take the the weird uh, assistant with the limp any day. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, yes, uh, the the Mel Brooks classic, Young Frankenstein, in my top five movies of all time. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Boy, we're uh. We, we got a special episode today. We're a little late. I just want to acknowledge that. People who are like, what about the first and third Mondays? Well, uh, it's Christmas season, and I am currently a preacher at a church, so I've been super busy. And Brandon, you seem to be getting busier and busier. And our other guest is also a busy guy. Chris, welcome. Welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. Hey, Tony. People who've read the outdoor news maybe uh, have heard a little bit about Chris, um, and we're going to get into that story. But both of these, both of you guys, came hunting with me last week. Uh, we hooked up with a couple guys from the Flush Podcast and TV show, and we went out to way, like way far western Minnesota, and. Um, I would just encourage people, anybody who wants to listen to kind of the the ins and outs of the hunt, you can listen to the Flush podcast. Brandon and I went on with uh, Travis Frank, the host of that podcast, and we spent much of it mocking uh, our collective boss, Scott Franzen, <laughs> the boss of the Talk North <laughs> podcast network and the, and Ron Share Productions for hauling us all the way out to Western Minnesota <laughs> to hunt in a swamp for pheasants. <laughs> I mean, he, he is the guy in charge. If, if we don't give him grief about it, we're not doing our bit part either. Yeah. I'll just never forget when Chris got back in my truck and he said, Hey, will it offend you if I take off my shoes and socks in your truck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got wet. I got really, really wet. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, guys both so got was, really wet. It was a far drive for um i guess you'd say no birds <laughs> i mean we saw some birds <laughs> we did we did but you know what did i say tony I, I really meant it when we were when we were getting back to the truck that i i probably needed that type of hunt you know what i mean like i needed i needed a complete zero i needed to to get shut out because i'm assuming that happens you know couple times a year right or is this the first time it's ever happened to you no no i've been shut out i've been shut out for sure especially hunting public land uh it's more rare that we get shut out when we're hunting uh the the, the spots we hunt in south dakota but even there i've been shut out because for whatever reason um you know you'll hit a field and maybe somebody else hunted it the day before and you did you don't know that or I mean, it could be everything from, uh, you know, a, a couple coyotes ran through that field and the birds are, you know, very predator savvy and they took off and flew away. And that could have happened an hour before you got there and you just have no way of knowing it. So you'll even hit a spot where you think, oh, there's always pheasants in this field. 
Yeah, that happened to us uh, a couple weeks ago in South Dakota. We went to just one of our honey holes. I can't think of of going out there. I've probably hunted this same field probably 30 times, and I've always seen birds there, and we saw no birds, and we didn't know why. And, well, did somebody poach it? You know, was there a deer hunter out here that scared away all the birds? Is it weather-related? Are they out in the fields feeding on corn and they're not in this um, this grass that we're hunting? You just don't know because, you know, the birds don't really communicate to you in that way. So, yes, it happens, man, and it's it's it probably is a good experience to get under your belt early. Now, I will say it's a little bit different for Brandon, who's gone out twice pheasant hunting and has been completely skunked both times. It, it builds character. It just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just building character in me makes me want to go that much more to get one. Well, I we can definitely talk about that hunt and stuff, but I would love to hear from each of you guys um why why you've taken up hunting at I think you two guys are actually pretty similar in age probably. Why in your what whatever your late 30s or early 40s or whatever have taken up hunting? at this point in your life it's just it's not you know there there's a lot of stories of hunters fading from the scene we're losing hunters and it's that's bad because so many you know license sales go toward uh habitat and game management and things like that so let, you know start with you Brandon um why even after last year's not great experience did you want to give this another shot well, it was it wasn't a not great experience. It was a good experience for me for sure. Honestly, it's partially because I fell into it with my job, you know? I mean, like I know I've I've had some experience with hunters before. One of my first roommates was a hunter. I got to eat some cool food and try that stuff because of him, but otherwise, I mean, I've lived in Minneapolis for I don't even know how long now at this point and it's just not like a thing that's around me that often. I'm not around like a lot of hunters until I started this job. And then starting this job working with Ron Chair and working with you, just hearing different points of views of hunters and different types of hunters that I didn't really even think were out there, more like-minded people like me that actually hunt, um, it just made me more interested. And then, you know, as I get older, the, the the challenges become fewer and far between besides, you know, work stuff. So it it's just kind of a cool thing for me to be able to go outside and experience a, a, another thing outside and, and present a new challenge to myself. So it's just another excuse to get outside and mentally see what I can do with myself. And heck, I haven't even had a chance to fire my gun yet. So who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe I fire it once and I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm out. So I'm I'm open to the experience more than anything. You have fired up at up at my cabin, but that was just shooting at targets. You've never, right. yeah, you've never actually fired in a hunting situation. Brandon, let me ask you: Do you um, the circles you travel in? You know, like let's say I know you got a, a Sunday morning sound sound guy gig. Do those people look at you sideways if you say, "Oh yeah, I've I've taken up hunting," or I like I'm kind of getting into hunting? Are they like that is super weird? Why are you doing that? Or they think it's cool? What what react? Or even from your girlfriend, like what kind of reactions do you get from people having just entered into this new hobby? You know, I I really haven't had much of a reaction as opposed to either being for or against. My girlfriend's supportive. She's 
totally cool with me, you know, finding something new to do outside and something to add to our, like our repertoire for, for fun activities to do. And then my friends just, I don't, I don't think they're too shocked or too surprised. I think they kind of know me as a type of person that's willing to, to go out and challenge myself a little bit. And this being an extension of, of what I do for work now, I think they've listened to me talk about it in more of a positive way than they've probably been used to hearing about it too. And so I think everybody has been supportive so far, but again, we'll see if I, and, uh, you know, when I, when I actually get something, uh, if that support changes or not, but right. I don't think it will. No, that is another threshold when you have a, a, a dead animal in your hands and it's even more of a threshold when you have a live animal in your hands that's only been partially wounded, you know, when your dogs brought it back to you and then you have to kill an animal. Mm-hmm. in your bare hands i mean that's i i i have some very vivid memories of early hunts when i had to do that and um it's yeah it's not super easy to do that the first few times no I can't uh, imagine. yeah yeah so I, I hope i hope i'll be there when when my dog brings back the first crippled bird when you and I are out hunting, I'm going to hand it to you. <laughs> All right. Well, something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> that will be a defining moment in your journey as a hunter. I, I can tell sure. you now, I will be shaking visibly when that's yeah. the case. I will. No, I I mean, honestly, uh, I I hope you always will. And I talk to this with, with guys like you, whom I mentor at hunting and with my own kids. Um, I, I don't ever want personally to lose that feeling of taking the life of another animal another living being like i don't want to lose how how much that affects me i don't want to become deadened or immune to that feeling i always want it to kind of shake me to the core and you know honestly to be totally frank it's harder to keep that feeling when you're out pheasant hunting and you know, your group shoots 10 or 20 pheasants in a day because they just come in, keep coming and coming and coming. But, uh, or when you're fishing, for instance, but when you shoot a large mammal like a deer uh, and it's still alive or, you know, it's, its legs are still twitching when you um, come up to it or when you're gutting it and, and you're, pull, you're field dressing it and you peel the hide off and you can, this happened to me twice this fall when I was, field dressing deer um you can see uh like a lot of it the muscles are still twitching even though the animal is you know legally officially dead or whatever and you're pulling the guts out of this dead animal it's there's still there's still activity going on in the body in the corpse of that animal and it's it's something i don't want to be yeah like i said i don't want to be deadened or immune to that feeling so it's a good thing to talk about and recognize um hey chris i've gotten to tell the story of how you and i connected both in the outdoor news and on the flush podcast so i'm gonna let you tell it this time tell me tell our listeners how you and i connected up and kind of what led you into hunting sure so um well, you had an issue with your house. You needed some siding repaired or replaced, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, I don't know the exact details. Uh, I can't really recall. I mean, this was recent too. But um, anyway, I, I'm a contractor. Um, you had, you called me uh, 
you know, I agreed to do that, and we're going to be doing your roof in the spring also. But uh, as we were emailing, I think I clicked on your link, saw that you were an avid hunter. Obviously, I saw the link to this podcast. And uh, I, I just asked you if you could take me hunting, if we could barter, you know, for this siding repair. And I would do it at cost if you could take me hunting. And you agreed, so you took me out to a game farm. And uh, that's what got me started. That was the first time I shot a shotgun. Um, first time I shot a bird. And I think I even tried to load my chapstick into the gun as a shell. Do you, do you recall that? <laughs> I vaguely recall that, yeah. I reached into my pocket. I pulled out my Burt's Bees, and I tried to load it in. And you said, not your chapstick. <laughs> So that's how that's how new I am to hunting. Um, so the the reason I got into it, you know, I mean, you were sort of, to be honest, I identified you, and I just immediately knew like this guy will be happy to take someone new hunting because um, I could obviously you have enthusiasm for enthusiasm for it, and um, you know it's a huge part of your life. And I was right when I asked you. I think you were more excited than I was um, to take me out and teach me a thing or two. Um, so that was great. And, and basically, like, my backstory is never been hunting, obviously. I'm in, you know, 39 years old, have kids. I was a vegetarian for 10 years of my life. Um, so I've, I've never really thought much about hunting, to be honest, until my 7-year-old son asked me if I could take him hunting. <laughs> and this was, you know, I don't know, four or five months ago. Um, so a few months before I met you. And it just sort of, that was the impetus for me to, to try it, to learn how to do it, so that I can give him that experience. Um, and now that I've done it, and now that I'm learning more about it, I, I'm almost all in, you know, I really love it now. I love, um, and again, I've, I've just dipped my toe into the water, but I know I really like it and I, I'm really excited to take him out when the time comes, but that wouldn't happen, you know, had I not met you and, you know, having you help me and get this ball rolling. So What's thank your, you for that. Oh yeah. My, I mean, my pleasure. What, what I didn't tell you when you offered to barter is that, uh, I probably would have paid double for that siding job if it also included some hunting. So, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I don't know if I, sent, I didn't send you an invoice yet, so there's still time. Uh, what What is your son thought when you've come home from these hunts with you know uh, whether it's coming home with a, a few pheasants or and throwing them on the smoker or coming home with no pheasants and just really wet boots and socks? Um. He doesn't ask too many details, but I can tell that there's sort of a, you know, a major interest, you know, his eyes get wide. He, um, just knowing that I, that I went hunting and I came coming back from hunting, um, you know, I, I can see the excitement in him, you know, and, and again, he's only seven. So yeah. I think there's what, five years before he can do gun say or, or hunter yep. safety, um, but I see that, I mean, he's, he's just really interested in it. And I don't even 
necessarily know why. Um, he could have a friend at school or a friend in the neighborhood that talks about it. Um, but he is really interested. And so, yeah, yeah I think he's excited to know that someday he's going to come out with me. Um, and, and tell me about when we went to that game farm. I, you know, some, some people kind of look down their noses at game farms and I, I get it. It's not my favorite type of hunting. And I'm personally like really against uh, farmed deer hunts, farmed cervid hunts. I, I just, I'm not down with that type of hunting. I do think that there's a long tradition of game farm bird hunting. Uh, in fact, if you go like to the UK, that's kind of the only type of bird upland bird hunting you're going to find um, in some parts of the UK at least. And, and it's great for dog training, but I also think it's just, well, let's just, um, compare and contrast the first hunt experiences that each of you guys had, because Chris, your first live hunt experience was at a game farm where we knew there were birds in the field and we ended up, I believe shooting more birds than we actually put out. So we must've shot a couple scratch birds as well. And then Brandon, you know, your first couple times we've come home empty handed, not that it hasn't been unsuccessful, quote unquote, because we've learned and, you know, it's always fun to be out. It's better than sitting in your basement editing podcasts probably, but I'd love to hear from each of you kind of what's your initial impression of those experiences. So Chris, you first, like getting out there at that game farm, seeing that that first bird flush, I think how we did it was I said on the first bird, just watch me shoot it or maybe even shoulder your gun, but don't put your finger in the trigger guard and just start to get the feel for it. Um, and then I think by the third bird, you shot it and dropped it, which is pretty kick-ass. So let's hear from you first, Chris, about that first experience. Sure. Well, I mean, I definitely didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think I asked you, I think I said, is it possible we don't get any? And you said, yes, that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's sort of right. I mean, having fished before, I know that you can come home with an empty boat, you know, so I was sort of prepared for that. And not only seeing birds, but actually shooting them and, and getting them, um, you know, made it that much better because I, I, even though it was a game farm, I did have low expectations um, or no expectations, I should say. Um, but the experience itself was, I mean, it was great. Yeah. I, I watched you, you know, kind of walk that first length of the field and I just wanted to observe what you were doing, what Crosby was doing. Um, for me, as someone who's getting into hunting and, and Brandon, maybe you can say the same, uh, the safety aspect of it is like the most important thing to me because that's, it's kind of scary, you know, guns are scary, especially to someone who, uh, doesn't shoot them. (laughs) It didn't grow up shooting them. So, you know, that first pass, I was in a lot of ways nervous and I just wanted to see how you did it. I wanted to see how someone experienced held their gun, um, how you shouldered it, you know, how you, everything, how you followed through, how you, um, you know, dealt with your firearm after you shot the bird um, but once, once we got through that, I started to feel pretty comfortable after watching you. And then that's when I started taking shots and 
um, you know, started trying to kind of just mimic what you were doing, you know, with your mm-hmm. gun and, mm-hmm. and, uh, overall, I mean, it was a great experience. It was, uh, yeah. Like I, I, I kind of remember the smile on your face after you hit that first bird. That's a pretty awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like, um, what, what can I compare it to? I mean, it felt like kind of throwing like a touchdown pass, you know, I mean, it's, it takes skill, it takes timing, um, and you can miss horribly. <laughs> so having actually, you know, hitting one, it just felt, you know, it felt like hitting a, rec- a receiver in stride, you know, if that makes sense. Like it, it felt a lot like that where it just, it worked and, um, if it, it felt good. Uh, I will say killing, yeah, I mean, wringing the neck and sort of killing the bird, I totally agree with with you and, and Brandon when he does have the experience that it's, that's when it gets a little real, you know, that's when it gets like, it's an intimate thing, you're killing a, a living being. Um, so, and I've experienced that with fish, so I kind of understand and I can't imagine what a mammal feels like, you know, but that is when it got sort of that's when it got kind of real, you know, when you're actually killing something. And I'm glad to hear that, that you don't want to become numb of that feeling. Cause I, I wouldn't want to either. Mm-hmm. And I hope I don't. Yeah. And I know when we talked on the drive home that you would like to try deer hunting and, and yeah, it's, I mean, when, when an animal's dying and it looks at you and it's got eyelashes like that, that's, I mean, it's one thing to go from a fish to a bird. And it's another thing to go from a bird to a mammal, sure. Um, especially one with big, watery brown eyes and eyelashes. For sure, that's that's just a different deal. It is just a different right. deal. And then you gut—I mean, every time I gut a deer and I stick my hands into inside um, the the animal and start pulling out internal organs, I, I I kid you not. Every time I think these internal organs are about the same size as my internal organs. Like this is what it would feel like to pull the guts out of a human. Right. And that makes it very real. Yeah. Right away. Well, I mean, so, you know, I, I eat meat and cut me off if I'm jabbering. No, no, please. I mean, you know, I feel like as a, as someone who eats meat, I almost have a responsibility to experience that and to, and to pull the trigger, (laughs) you know, if you will, you know, cause it's, um, in a lot of ways I'm doing that, you know, when I go and buy a ground beef, I'm, I'm contributing to killing an animal. It's just, I, you know, in my opinion, I should have to experience it more intimately so I can understand it more. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that is on my list is to, is to go deer hunting at some point and have that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, let's contrast your, uh, first hunt or two experience. What, like what? What's it felt like or what's been going through your mind and your spirit as you're walking through these fields with a gun with other people? Like, what's that been like? Well, first, I can actually agree with Chris on the gun safety part being on top of mind. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with guns at all either. I'd shot in a handgun once. You know, I did. I took a gun safety with my class or a class in my mid uh, late 20s just for for whatever i have no idea um but uh i you know the the first time i'd ever even shot a shotgun was with you when we're shooting at the target um so gun safety is number one on my mind i mean 
I don't know. You slip, the gun falls, what happens? So I'm checking my safety constantly to make sure that's on the entire time. And I'm super aware of where my barrel's pointed the entire time I'm walking. So that's number one thing on my mind. Number two is I've got a fake hip. So I'm walking through all these brush areas and these long weeds and everything else that my body just isn't used to for a while. So I'm focused Mm -hmm. on not falling, then dropping the gun and so forth. And then third on my mind is, am I going to actually know what I'm supposed to shoot at when it flies up? Um, And I know we went all over the thing. You guys yell rooster or I I understand all that. But that's just circulating through my mind the entire time where my more more my focus was on the gun and the people around me than the actual bird that I was supposed to be looking for to hit later on. So it's just getting used to the whole new environment being somewhere I've never been just walking out in the middle of nowhere, but with a gun in my hand. So it was just that it was it was the first time out. That was honestly what was on my brain almost the entire time. Um, the second time going out, which, like I said, in a, the flush podcast, what I'll call one point five. It was kind of the same thing, but I got a little bit more relaxed with it. I, I knew where my safety was. I knew where my, my barrel was pointed so I could actually walk and then I could actually look around. So it's just become that process. The first time it's, it's just become more of a mental thing. The fact that I haven't you know, gotten to shoot at a bird yet is fine. I'm still overcoming those newcomer uh, barriers of just being out in the field with a gun and with people around me. That's how my first experience has kind of been. And it, it just makes me look more forward to the third because I know that will still be on the forefront of my mind, but I know it won't be as much as, you know, my focus on everything. So it's just kind of been a slow progression for me. But honestly, I'm so new at all this that a slow progression isn't a bad way for me to start out. There's mm-hmm. no big shock and awe for me. I still get the camaraderie of the trip out there, the walk in the field and the trip home. I still get to experience outdoors and the nature. I'm still constantly learning something new while I'm out there. So the slow progression for me is fine. It's not, it hasn't been a deterrent in the slightest for me. Uh, Brandon, just this will maybe make Chris and me feel better because we were in a different vehicle driving home back to the Twin Cities, and that was a long drive with wet boots all the way back. What was it like in your truck, and did you guys give an extraordinary amount of crap to Scott Franzen, who set up that hunt? There was a fair amount of crap, but, you know, as with anything (laughs) else, we had to, like, get it out of the way right away and make jokes about it. But then the rest of it was just good conversation, to be honest with you, you know. But, yes, we did give them crap, of course. (laughs) We had. So, yeah, Chris, I hope that makes you feel better, that they really, they laid into Scott for taking us to those wet spots. Good. He deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) um you know i another thing i wanted to ask each of you about is you've each said something to me along the same lines and that is um let let's see how would i say it something like you're not what i thought of when i thought about hunters or you know my stereotype of hunters was different than what my actual experience has been now that i've started hunting so i wonder I mean, this time we'll start with you, Brandon. Like, what is that? And you, you, you guys have very different experiences because now, Brandon, like with this job, you're around people who hunt all the time. But what was your what was your earlier kind of vision of what hunters were, and how has that changed, and why? And then same question to Chris. Well, 
I, I grew up in a smaller town west of here where hunting was a very common thing. We had we had outdoors classes where it was back enough. It was long enough ago where people could bring their deer to class and we'd take care of it in the morning sort of a thing. So <laughs> I'd I had been around hunters and I'd seen seen hunters and stuff like that. But we were never really cliques that hung out. You know, uh, they're more the country boy. And this is all stereotypes. And I'm using air quotes that nobody can see. They're usually like the country boys or the country kids and stuff like that, that listen to their country music with their pickups and such. Again, I'm using the air quotes, so I don't want anyone to get <laughs> mad at me. Um, but that's what I had in mind, right? And then yeah. I moved to the Twin Cities like as soon as I turned 18, practically, and I got almost completely out of that country environment, pretty much fully dove into the, the urban environment where I've been working at record stores and for radio and stuff like that, stuff that has nothing to do with hunting. So I was actually just more intimidated by hunters because they're quote unquote different than me. Um, they lived a different lifestyle than me. And then I get working this job, which is still in entertainment and media, but I get to see a whole nother side of it. And, you know, maybe I'm really, really lucky, but the people I work with that do the outdoor stuff are just genuinely really nice, good people. And, I found out right away that it wasn't just about killing an animal that which I oddly thought or not oddly thought forever, but there was much more of a process to it, much more of a, I don't want to know if I don't want to say spiritual, but spiritual aspect to it all where I don't know. I, it, it just, it, it blew my stereotype away of the type of person. Like I'm afraid to go into like a Cabela's or a bass shop by myself just because I'm so intimidated <laughs> mm-hmm. by the people and all the equipment around, you know, me looking completely different than most of the people that you see there. So I still get intimidated by that now, just buying my license, going into Shields the other day. It's still just intimidating because I know absolutely nothing about the technical aspects. But I found out everybody I've talked to so far from it, be to Cabela's, to Shields, to all you guys, everybody's been really welcoming and accepting and more than happy to like teach me the stuff I didn't know or you know, slowly get me into it without intimidating me. So it's been like a 180 of how I thought I would be welcome to the community. And it's been nothing but good people in open arms. Now I understand that's not everybody in the community, but that's not for any community. So that's just the way life is. But everybody I've been introduced to so far, luckily, has been really great and completely shattered my expectation of thinking I was just that city kid, get out of here sort of thing. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's. Awesome. That's super interesting. Um, and I, I think you're not alone in that. Uh, Chris, you, you said a very similar thing to me. Um, and where did that come from and how has that changed? Well, yeah, I think what I said to you is that is, I I just thought hunters were all a bunch of bloodthirsty dipshits or something. You know what I mean? Like that's, (laughs) that really Mm -hmm. is to me, I think that's probably a common perception, you know, that a lot of non-hunters think, um, you know, one thing that Brandon kept saying was like, it's intimidating, you know, hunters are intimidating or hunting is intimidating. And I can definitely, uh, relate to that. I, I feel like there is a, there is an intimidation factor, um, for a few reasons. And, and maybe the main one is just lack of knowledge. You know, I mean, a non-hunter just doesn't understand that world and it's really hard to break into, you know, I mean, look at how, how I did it was by just reaching out to you. And, and even that's a little intimidating, even though I had kind of assumed that you would welcome me. Um, it's pretty intimidating to say, Hey, I've never done this. Can you show me how, um, especially when it involves 
you know, weapons and, or firearms, you know, and, uh, killing animals. But, um, you know, my perception has changed where like, I, I'm very pleasantly surprised by, um, a hunter's respect for the land, for the animal. Um, and it seems like, you know, it's, um, it contradicts itself to like that, that you would care so much about something and then shoot it <laughs> and kill it. But I mean, I, I, I understand that now, I guess, now that I've, I, I've experienced it a little bit. Um, and yeah, overall, like very, very pleasantly surprised by, mm. um, just hunters. Um, I don't know. just, I feel like they're far more, um, responsible than, than perceived, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really, they're important to, to, uh, the environment, believe it or not, you know, and the more I learn, the more I realize that. I, I want yeah. to piggyback on, on what Chris said too. That's something that I've really, really taken a, taken a, a liking to is how much respect for the environment and, and the conservation efforts that a lot of these groups they put themselves out to like just to learn a little bit about pheasants forever and how much work they do for, for the environment and how much they do for, for, for just keeping the habitat healthy and safe and ever expanding, you know, bringing back habitat that had been gone for a while. It, it, it totally blew my mind to see that, that aspect of it as well. Yeah. It, it you guys are pointing out something that I think is a, a very common misperception. I, and I don't, I, you know, look, I've been plenty critical on this podcast in the past of kind of the bloodthirsty redneck dipshit hunter that that Chris you you talk about. I mean, there that is definitely part of the uh constituency of hunters and I'm not a huge fan of like outdoor television where it's like whisper 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 bang then then like five minutes of high fives and oh my god oh my god oh my god that they killed a big buck you know or whatever that's just not my experience of hunting it's it's why i made a pilot of a tv show for that would be a different kind of hunting tv show in an attempt to break into that industry and and have a different story i really do think uh that Talk North and Ron Share Productions. It's a very different kind of hunting and hunter. Now, I'm not saying that that bad stereotype of hunters is the majority, even, but it's just out there. It's just it's just part of the group. Um, you guys have, you know, been fortunate, I think, to be introduced to hunting in a, in a different kind of group, uh, that's, a, that's probably a little more sensitive to the death of the animal and to stuff like that. Uh, again, I, I don't mean to be overly critical of that other group, but you know, it is out there. So yeah, I think it's that, it's that thing of conservation. And here's one, I just want to throw this out there for people. I, I had been recommended this episode of this podcast called the rhino hunter on uh, NPR's Radio Lab podcast by several people had sent it to me. And I finally listened to it last week. And it's really an excellent episode about this very thing. And it's coming at it from a very like left-wing NPR perspective of kind of like, we don't get these people who go kill 
uh, big animals in Africa, but it 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 paints a very nuanced portrait of that, and it ties it into how hunting in Africa is actually part of how African governments conserve uh, their wildlife and fight off poaching using the money that they get from these big game, uh, big big money hunts from Americans, mostly Americans and Europeans who go over there to to shoot trophy animals. So it's it's a much more complex thing. And and I think most of the hunters that I know and the the circles that you guys have been introduced to so far are really conservation-minded hunters, which is uh those are the kind of hunters I want to hang out with, you know. Um well last question for each of you guys. Uh what what do you look forward to or what do you hope you'll have the opportunity to experience this year and next year and the next you know year or two of of continuing to be introduced into hunting like what is something you'd like to learn or maybe an animal you'd like to pursue and, and or, or you know a place you'd like to hunt anything like that if you if you've thought about that at all either one either one of you guys can jump in sure uh well, for me, honestly, I just, I really just want to become a better shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've missed some, some easy ones. Um, and you know, I feel like I'm just, I'm so new that I just need to, I really need to get better with a shotgun. Um, so that's a pretty basic answer, but that's true. I feel like, you know, I want to spend this first year or two just, you know, getting good and, developing the skills uh long term for me it's you know it's just taking my son hunting you know honestly that's to me that's when it will sort of become full circle like this is you know this is why i wanted to learn this sport in the first place um so for me that's it and and then everything else would just be a a cherry on top that's that's great to hear chris I, i just want you to know that like 10 years ago, I was a terrible shot. In fact, I know that when I started duck hunting, I think the guy who mentored me and took me duck hunting the first time, and we went to Canada a few times uh, and hunted on Lake of the Woods, I think he took me in large part because I was such a bad shot that it meant he got to shoot more birds. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> he got to shoot beyond his limit because he kind of got to shoot my limit too because I was such a bad shot. <laughs> um, and the guys I pheasant hunt with will tell you that too that I used to be a really bad shot and I'm a much better shot now. And it just, it's like so many things in life, it's reps, you know, it's just reps because as I've told, each of you guys, um, it's upland hunting. I think more than any other type of hunting is mu- is about muscle memory uh, mm-hmm. because it just the you're mo- you're on the move. It happens so fast. A duck you see coming in, or you see a group of ducks coming in to your decoys, and you have a chance to um, think about it, shoulder your gun, or the ducks come out of the blue, but they land right in your decoys, and then you get you know. You, you spook them so they get up and start flying and then you get shots at them. So there's preparation time. And then, of course, when you're shooting a deer or an elk or something like that, it's all about preparation. I mean, the fact of the matter is I shoot a rifle 
like once or twice a year. And both of those shots are to kill deer. I don't even really practice rifle shooting because none of my shots for a deer is a long range shot. Um, but pheasant hunting and, and grouse and, and other kind of upland birds, you're on the move. Uh, there's a dog in front of you. There's other guys around you. The bird flushes. It's on the move. Uh, you know, getting your feet set, getting that gun up to your shoulder, getting the safety off, firing at the bird, you know, um, leading it enough. It's, man, that's just a lot. And it, it does, there's nothing that can replace reps, you know? Yeah. Brandon, how about you? Uh, for me, honestly, short term, just knowledge, just, just learning as much as I can on the few times I'll get to go out and actually get to experience it. So just learning more, learning more just about the habitat, more about the bird, more just about how to hunt. Um, so that's kind of my short term is just honestly knowledge and just figuring out how things work since I've only gone twice. Um, long term for me, it's to see if I can actually do it once push comes to shove. I know I've mentioned it before, but that is honestly long term. The one thing I want to do is figure out if I can do it. And if I can't, that's cool. I can still go hiking outside and enjoy, enjoy nature that much more because I know that much more about it. But yeah, I just kind of want to see if I mentally and have it in my heart and all that good stuff. If I can, if I can pull it off and if I can, then well, sky's the limit from there. Right. Then, then mm-hmm. try something new, try a new version of hunting, try a new, new place to go. Like, I think it'd be awesome. I've seen some of the footage of, of the guys, uh, on the flush in the mountains and stuff like that. That looks beautiful for me. That looks, it, it's just another great reason to go there. So long-term, I just want to see if I have it in my heart and in my brain, if I can pull it off. And then from there, if I can sky's the limit, go wherever it takes mm-hmm. me. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm I'm uh I'm so glad you guys came on the podcast today and I'm honored to be among your hunting mentors and and I don't, you know, I don't I'm no expert at it, but whatever what little I do know, I'll definitely throw your way and um go out with either you guys or both of you together at at any time because I love it and I don't need much of an excuse to to get out and pound some boot leather in a field and see if some birds fly up. So let's do it again soon, huh? Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us this opportunity too. I mean, both me and Chris are lucky to have kind of fallen into some really good people that have been there to help us along the way. So mm-hmm. thank you to people like you and you, especially for, for being nice to us guys that were scared by you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the hunting world needs more, Tony's to be honest, you know? Um, so thank you. I mean, I really had, you, yeah. you've been insanely welcoming and, and knowledgeable and I really appreciate it too. Yeah, you guys. Well, it's t- honestly my pleasure. So appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Reverend Hunter podcast as always. Uh, thanks to Brandon, who is the brains behind the operation. And if you like what we're doing here, please rate, share, review, and, uh, subscribe in whatever uh whatever podcast app you most enjoy and we'll see you in a couple weeks thanks again for listening to the reverend hunter podcast